Hi everyone, it's Peter Westerby here from Pete's podcast on community development. Really delighted to be here on Jinnabara country in Australia for our third episode with Cormac Russell, which is in fact the, the, the third 20 minutes of our one hour conversation. So it kind of we'll just segue straight into where we left off in the second episode. So uh, you might need to remind yourself of what happened there. Um, I just wanted to say a couple of things before we do segue into that. The first thing is um, this, this podcast started in July 2021, just organically, emergently, and just have really enjoyed putting something out every Sunday Australia time. And it's been a delight and it's um, unfunded, it's unsponsored, and everyone is giving of their time freely with love and care. So I'm very grateful for everyone giving their time and I'm slowly learning the technology. And the second thing I wanted to say before we move to Cormac is that um, I will be taking a two or three week break after this episode. Uh, my partner Rachel Donovan and I are getting married on the 1st of April. Uh, we're doing ceremony with community on our country here and bearing witness to our love and commitment. So um, we're going to head off for 10 days and have a bit of a rest and reflection and a bit of fun. And really just uh, please subscribe to the podcast so that you are notified um, about the next episode. That would uh, be really great. So I think with that note, we'll move across and um, enjoy listening to Cormac. So everyone take care. Bye-bye. So, so I think it's, it's interesting with Connect, isn't it? Because so you can discover uh, in a community and lots of people have in Australia where I've worked a little bit as well. I've seen some beautiful discovery work, you know, and some very, very delicate and, and, and I think um, artful ways of mapping out the assets that are in a local neighborhood or among, you know, a, a community um, of caring people. Um, but of course, the, you know, the map is, it's all, the map in a sense is almost like a nice list. You know, it doesn't do anything. It isn't an action step. So once we discover something, I think there's something about even Steve Jobs and, you know, he's an interesting character. Uh, you know, he wouldn't be uh, in any way somebody we would hold up as, a, a, you know, um, a wisdom holder around community. But even he understood uh, through a business lens, he understood that actually very little new is invented in the world, that largely most innovation is about connecting stuff that yes. wasn't connected yes. in a productive kind of way, which is what the, the smartphone is really. Um, it's a set of things that weren't connected that now are. Yeah. Um, and, and that's quite revolutionary in the sense of most people don't wear watches anymore as a consequence. Most of their music is on their phone, et cetera. So, it has an, obsoles an obsolescing uh, effect too. But if you do the connecting well in a local context, you get all kinds of um, ecological benefits. So you're able to do things that get you in right relationship, which are very hard to do at a scale beyond the neighborhood or beyond the township or beyond the village. It's not impossible, but it's hard to do. Yeah. Um, 
And so I would say is connection, we're not just talking about connection, uh, Pete, we're talking about connection at a scale of small bounded places. That's important to say. Mm, mm. Um, and, and place matters. So yes. we're not just talking about, we, we read a lot in, in the literature around network analysis and uh, sure. you know how to create networks or whatever. <clears throat> I, I, I think we'd want to be cautious about um, that language and overlaying that language and assuming we're saying the same thing when we, when we say those things. I think very specifically what we're saying is if you're in the business of discovering in a place what the gifts of the individual people that live there are, the gifts of their associations are, their clubs, their groups, their choirs, their informal associations, yeah. the actual physical built and natural environment itself, the culture and the economy, if that's what you're interested in, and you're prepared like a good farmer to kind of wait the four seasons for the place to declare itself to you rather than think you know it all. Yep. Um, then the rhythm of the place starts to uh, really, it reveals itself. And yes. the trick I think for a community practitioner is not to say, ah, now I figured it all out, I'm going to stitch it together, but to find ways obviously of working alongside the stitchers and the weavers, what we call the connectors in that community. Yes. To say, you would discover this. This is your birthright. How might you support those different parts of what community life is for you to be in relationship mm. uh, in different ways, in new ways, you know? So on the Isle of Egg, for example, uh, the first community of place where the islanders went off grid in 2008, the first in the world to wow. go completely off grid. Um they, they would have gone through a process of relationship building, of storytelling, of discovering, of honoring their traditions, of restoring their language and whatnot again. But that wasn't enough to get them to go, you know, being off grid and being able to generate enough energy to actually return to the grid and then earn enough money so that they can invest in young people and entrepreneurship and so on. That had to involve very clever, very sophisticated, very thoughtful and intentional connections. How do we take, you know, resources um, and connect them together so that we can harness uh, wind, of which they have quite a lot, um, yeah. and, uh, and sun? And, uh, you know, how do we ensure that our, the money that we're currently putting into uh, banking systems that are not investing back in our community and are actually taking branches off island. Mm. How do we take that money, repatriate that money? So what you see here is an island community having discovered what they have and their resources are now saying, how do we connect those to create maximum advantage for the people who live here, right? So they're taking their assets, if you like, and they're making them productive. Yes. Yeah. And you're saying when you said off the grid, you mean off the, the major electrical grid and now they're yes. generating yeah. energy yeah. and selling that to the right. grid. Um, wow. Yeah. That's if you, if you, yeah. It's very exciting, you know, and, and, and it's an important point because often you'll hear through the advocacy lens, you hear the cry freedom, which is power to the people, mm. which suggests a zero-sum game. There's somebody over there. The bugger over there has power, you know, a Trump-like yeah. figure is holding on to power. 
And the job of the community activist is to wrench power from that person and get it back to its rightful place. And there's some truth in that story, right? So that, that, that's, that's, that's got its legitimacy. But in the Isle of Eggs story, what you're hearing is this power from the people. So mm. essentially, we're moving past this um, idea of, um, you know, that, that, that these are on their knees, powerless people, and we've got to find some way to advocate on their behalf to actually, these folks are incredibly powerful but they their power may not be connected it may not be plugged in yet yeah yeah so our job is to support them to discover and to connect and then yeah. they can decide how they want to mobilize what they want to do with that yeah but that's the process well and i i always think through that lens of community development is enabling cooperative power you know that that is yeah. our our capabilities through cooperation so so we you know this Isle of Egg story, the connecting and then the mobilizing, I guess, is when when people have kind of moved from analysis and what resources they have through connection, they're doing that work, and then they turn it to collective action. Is is that yes. what the mobilizing is? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So so again, just to ground it for the listener. Um, a few months back in Louisiana, in a, uh, elementary school in Louisiana, um, 23 children, 23 pupils were arrested as a consequence of physical violence towards each other. Now, the picture of the scene, you have a school, um, tragically, um, in, in, in the North American context where there's security guards patrolling the corridors. The kids are um, body checked as they come in. They've got to go through scanners, etc. It's it's just such a, a tragedy, really. It's a travesty. In any case, um, despite all of this, you know, despite all of the school counselors, uh, no doubt, a, a fantastic curriculum, etc. Somehow, they'd gotten to this situation where twenty three kids. Uh, there was essentially a melee, and twenty three kids were were arrested. Now. And that has to raise an awful lot of questions for everybody involved, right? What do you do with that? And I know you have a youth bath, youth work background as well, Pete. You know, so it, 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 that really sends a seismic ripple through a community, through a neighborhood, and so it should. Now, through just to go back to our three lenses of the therapeutic lens, the advocacy lens, and the community lens, through the therapeutic lens, the answer would be these kids need more therapy. They're clearly traumatized. And the answer, right, it's the service assumption. <laughs> they just need more professionals working harder. Maybe we need to get a different model in. Let's try a different form of therapy, right? Yep. Um, if we run harder, we run faster. If we, you know, all of that. Yep. So, um, but, so they had tried that. And this is an interesting thing. This is what happened with COVID as well. The system hit the limits of its capacity. Mm. And it's really interesting. It's almost like a hydraulic pump. So as the system hits the limits of its capacity and goes down, what we start to see is a really interesting thing on the other side of the hydraulic pump. Somehow community rises up. Yeah. So there's an invisible relationship, a power relationship going on here. Um, the advocacy lens, right? So that all third sector organizations would say, let's advocate for the public sector, the school boards, to reform 
you know, they're clearly failing our kids. Let's, you know, get them into forest schools. Let's do something different. I don't know, whatever, right? But more it, it money, and more tax going into more money, more tax. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, right? Now, we all know the answer to those first two. And the answer is, is it's not working in and of itself. So it's not that these are wrong. It's that they can't carry their own weight on their own. So then you introduce what actually did happen. So in this is a real um, story. I'm not making this up. So 40 dads from the local neighborhood sat down and they recognized that the system had hit the limits of its capacity and they were not happy that their children, their neighbor's children were being arrested. So they rocked up to the school, to the principal, and they said, we would like to volunteer to spend time in the school with the kids, uh, not as security guards, but as dads. And all we will use is high fives and bad jokes and our presence, bad dad jokes and our presence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to love these kids back to peace. And within 24 hours, violence had stopped in that school. Wow. In fact, within 24 minutes, violence had stopped in that school. Yeah. And they haven't had one violence since. So just that, so what we're, the hydraulic, you know, just that's because you mentioned the hydraulic. So you mentioned yeah, it, yeah. but maybe the, the listener didn't quite get it. So you're, you're saying the school system is sort of failing. And so up rises the community, which in this case are 40 dads. Um, mm. You know, this is the, the invisible relationship, yeah? Yeah. It is. So you'd have seen it as well in some of the, um, some of the US narrative around defunding police following the um, police uh, killing of um, George Floyd. Yeah. Um, and, so, so, so understandably, many activists were saying to the police, uh, you know, it, you've had your slice of the public fund and you've abused that. So the solution is to take that money away from you. <clears throat> now, the question might be, I, I have no issue with that, by the way, uh, but, but the question is, right, fair enough. So we take, we'll take that money that's coming from the taxpayer and is going into enforcement, which is ending up in violence and murder and mm -hmm. structural racism. And we relocate that. Great. Sounds like a plan. Where are we going to relocate that to? And actually, the answer is, let's relocate it to another institution. So many of the activists say, let's take the money out of enforcement and let's put it into what they refer to as mental health. Which is really interesting. So, so now they're saying the reason these kids were violent with each other was because they have mental health issues. Yeah, as opposed to cultural issues, as opposed to losing connection with the ritual, as opposed to having a village issue, right? Um, so who gets to define that it's just in the realm of mental, right? Yep. So... Um, which is just another medical model. And I'm not in any way saying that people don't have mental health challenges. Of course they do, but drop the diagnosis, recognize the distress, recognize the trauma and understand it in cultural as well as personal terms. This isn't just the child's fault <laughs> or the child's limitation or the family's failure, that there's something much more complex going on. So what has happened in cities like Milwaukee, right? Is they've said, let's take some of the funding 
and let's drive it through a public health lens or a community development lens upstream. And let's employ some community organizers, some community builders in the neighborhoods, the same 15 neighborhoods, incidentally, that are feeding the pipeline of school to prison, mm. right? which is almost become like a business now that prisons yeah. have been privatized. Oh, and many of your prisons in Australia are also privatized. Yep. So I think the only way we're going to push back against that is if, if we think we've got all of this money in the, um, in the pipeline and the system of incarceration. And sometimes what happens is our police become retailers for the prison industry when that's set up, you know, they're, they're, they're recruiting clients for the prison industry. Then we as a community have to actually suck that syringe back and say, uh-uh, you're not having our kids. And the only way we can do that is, is if we pull some of that authority back, almost like, you know, just think about the hydraulic pump. So at the moment with incarceration, the United States, the community capacity to respond to issues of violence is down here on this side. Like yeah. they're just seen as the sum of their problems. They're on their yeah. knees, right? And then over here, you've got all of the resource. You've got all of the law enforcement. Some cities now are spending 65% of tax take on enforcement, mm. essentially to brutalize the public, yeah. right? Um, and to incarcerate people and turn poverty into money for the middle class, um, you know, and, and so forth. So that's not okay. But actually, you know, the system on this side isn't going to wake up one morning and have a Pauline conversion and go, oh my goodness, you know, because they're wearing the mask of love. They think they're doing good work. Yes, yeah. And this is part, this is the, the harmful side of institutionalism. But what they're doing is they're institutionalizing our kids. Mm -hmm. Now, the only way we can counter that is to come up with a better story, a better yeah. narrative, in fact, which says we are stepping up. Here's the 40 dads. We're going to create a community alternative to incarceration. And suddenly what starts to happen is, is as those dads start to come up, then it becomes harder and harder for this parade of institutional interventions to keep making the argument we are the salvation we are the solution because actually they're not clearly the evidence shows so we're starting to rebalance that you see that's right. um, but, but that's a that's a contestation that there's a struggle there what i'm describing mm. so if people are looking for a real struggle that's the struggle Look, and as I listen to you, Cormac, like we're in this really, there's so many questions and stories and I want to keep going, but we can't. And, um, but I'm aware from reading Rekindling Democracy that you talk us through, the reader, through the hydraulic kind of lens. And so, I, you know, as a way of finishing, because I, I think, you know, you've given people this beautiful story of your way into this work um, some of the ideas and this sequential framework and now this analysis of the hydraulic and um for people that want to read more of your work just um I, I can put some things in the link but what what would you suggest people go and get what <laughs> yeah well there, there's i mean obviously if you can um great check out the book but there's a lot of stuff online that's free as well um you know so maybe start there start start with the stuff that's available in the commons and it's important to have that stuff so yep. on our website uh, at nurture development 
uh, you'll get quite a lot of material, probably enough to keep you going for quite a while. So that's just www.nurturedevelopment.org, uh, uh, O-R-G. And there's quite a lot of stuff there. But, you know, even just Google, if you Google um, my name. And, and also, I'd say, you know, let's remember as well the wonderful work of Peter Kenyon, of Dee Brooks, of Ted Smeaton, uh, God rest him, um, all of who have been, you know, pioneers of um, asset-based community development in Australia. And I do apologize because there's so many others I haven't yeah, named. I, I don't want to in any way. <laughs> Obviously. But, you know, so so there's quite a lot of very, very um, elegant um, ABCD work that's done in the Australian context, really wrapped in some beautiful examples there, too. Um, so there's any amount of material, really. It doesn't just have to be mine. Uh, the um, book, the second book that Pete mentioned, uh, which is called uh, The Connected Community, Discovering the Health, Wealth and Power of Our Neighbourhoods, is coming out uh, at the end of September. Okay, so, so um, be on the lookout yeah. for that. Um, look for that. I am deeply grateful for your time. It's uh, seven o'clock or now eight o'clock in Dublin a.m. So you have a long day ahead of you, and I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Pete. Thanks so much, and thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, stay stay safe there. I know you're. Uh, you're dealing with storms and floods and whatnot at the moment. So uh, stay safe and stay well.